Grab your mason jars, strap on that apron. It's time for Canning with the Diva. Making her mark across the globe. Teaching you how to safely preserve delicious recipes. Please welcome your host, Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva, and you are listening to Canning with the Diva. Super excited to bring to you an episode I have titled The Art of Pickling. I am super excited about this because a lot of you beginner canners need a good place to start. And if it's not going to be a salsa, it definitely should be pickling. Because I think that's one of the easiest ways to start learning how to home can is to pickle a product uh, because we're increasing that vinegar knowing that we're keeping the food safe. And so I thought today's segment would be a lot of fun to talk about the art of pickling. Um, And I do believe it's an art. As you know, one of my taglines that I promote and believe in is that food is art and canning is my way of preserving art. So I definitely believe that with pickling, because you can pickle just about anything, um, there is an art and a finesse. And believe it or not, there's actually some math and science built into it, just like the majority of of this home canning uh, recipe creations. There's definitely some math and science. So I'm excited today to break that down for you and share some tips and techniques so that you can pickle your garden's bounty, especially when some things start coming into season. I know it's in the dead of winter here in Michigan, but I start getting excited planning my garden about this time. I also start making a list of some of the early spring wild items that I'd like to start foraging for, whether that be uh, ramps or wild onions and uh, morel mushrooms and all kinds of fun stuff that you're definitely not going to find at the grocery store. Um, what I'll talk about today is the not only the art of pickling, but again, that science and, and information behind it so that you can begin pickling in your home kitchen if this is something new to you. And for those of you veteran canners out there, I'm excited to share a couple recipes, one of them being uh, my pickled garlic cloves, which I just absolutely love. And they, they definitely are a crowd pleaser. And then also, I want to share with you, for those foragers out there, a pickled ramps recipe that is simple, easy, and delicious. And if you like foraging early spring uh, for those ramps that are um, throughout North America, uh, definitely this recipe is for you. So let's get started. Pickling is not only a very fun and effective way to home can low acidic foods. It's also a delicious way to to pickle or ferment, if you will, and preserve a variety of different items. And you can, again, pickle just about anything, whether it be a fruit or a vegetable. Uh, Typically, when it comes to pickling fruits and you start getting into some of your dried fruits, uh, you start getting down that road of a chutney. So for those of you that have heard the term but never have really either created a chutney, canned a chutney, or even ate a chutney, um, it is basically a pickled fruit relish, if you will. And it's usually uh, very uh, bold in flavor. It can also be sweet and it can also be savory. Uh, 
one of the recipes that I've I've discussed on one of the podcasts here is my blonde curry apple chutney. So you're taking raisins and apples and jalapenos and onions and then you're using a variety of spices. That same that same holds true because you're adding the vinegar, which is making it that pickled fruit, if you will. A lot of individuals that I know enjoy pickling things such as watermelon rinds, um, pickled asparagus and dilly beans, and then I love getting into that garlic clove and Brussels sprout and finding unique ways to pickle a variety of different fruits that you, ne you would otherwise not necessarily eat. The reason we as home canners can get away with water bathing these low acid foods is because we are increasing the acidic value by adding that vinegar. And the tricky thing that I always emphasize in my classes when I teach is this is the one specific area of home canning that you cannot deviate from a recipe, a tried and true recipe. The reason being is that brine that we create that, which is brine is a water, vinegar, and salt ratio. It is mathematically put together to create this brine. These ratios are created based on the density of the food, the acidic value of the food pre-cook and after cook. And so you definitely don't want to mess with those ratios. And pickling can be a lot of fun and you can have a lot of good outcome, but you could also have a poor outcome if you don't follow the tried and true recipes ratios. And when we, when I get into the two recipes I'm going to give you today, I'll explain where, where that falls into the recipe and what not to do so that you aren't messing with the acidic value and you're keeping your food safe. But uh, the reason why we can do what we do with a water bather when it comes to pickling, again, is because we are increasing that acidic value by adding vinegar. Now, one of the key points with working uh, with vinegar, with home canning, is that you have to find a vinegar that is a minimum of a 5% acidic value. Now, that should be placed right on the label, whether it's white vinegar, uh, apple cider vinegar, red wine vinegar. It will always or should always list the percentage of acid in that container that you're purchasing. And if it doesn't, then you definitely need to get yourself uh, a different bottle or a different brand because you want to stick with a higher acidic value so that you know when you're putting it into the jar, you're doing the job right. Now, if you happen to have some vinegar on hand that doesn't, that doesn't post what the acidic value is, no worries, you don't have to pitch it. It's still excellent for cleaning, uh, making vinaigrettes, uh, there's a lot of things that you can do that, that don't apply to home canning uh, that you can use that, that vinegar for. Just make sure you're keeping it separate and all of your vinegar for home canning is a 5% acidic value or higher. Okay, so now with, with the, the art of pickling, uh, and I've given you uh, just a sample of some of the things you can pickle. Uh, the method of packing is also unique, and this is probably why they started inventing two terminologies, the raw packing versus the hot packing. Um, it's very difficult to hot pack pickled products because uh, they're usually a little bit larger or longer in size, and um, 
the smaller items when you're trying to infuse the brine with a particular flavor, that works well for hot packing. Uh, but the majority of your recipes you're going to see out there for pickling are going to include the raw packing method. And, and what that means is you're essentially cleaning and prepping your, your fresh fruit or vegetables, and then you are sticking those into a jar cold and raw. And so you're going to literally stack, for instance, let's say asparagus. You're going to make pickled asparagus. You're going to take those spears of asparagus. You're going to tilt that jar to its side and hold it in your, the palm of your hand. And you're going to lay and then stack those asparagus very, very tightly in that jar. And, and when I mean tightly, you want to make sure that you've got an asparagus spear shoved in every nook and cranny in that jar because what happens with raw packing is eventually you are going to put some hot liquid over it. Now on some rare occasions you can do cool, uh, lukewarm water or temperatures if you're pressure canning, but with pickling you're, you are definitely putting a hot boiling brine over that raw fruit or vegetable. Now the difference with raw packing over hot packing briefly here is there is going to be some shrinkage because we are not pre-shrinking the food by getting it hot and bringing it to a boil, letting the air that is trapped within the, the fruit or vegetable fiber escape. Because we're putting it in raw, all of that air is escaping during the processing, during that water bathing period of time. So don't be alarmed if after you're pickled something, you see a lot more spaces of brine than you actually do the vegetable or the fruit. That's why I tell people, spend your time packing that jar. I often laugh and say it's like playing Tetris, especially when you're, when you're trying to pack a jar full of round objects like Brussels sprouts. It can get to be quite uh, tricky at times. For me, it's a lot of fun. I, I look at it as a, a, you know, I'm playing, I'm playing Tetris and maybe it's just the OCD in me. I like to have everything fit in there just so. Um, for me, I, I find it to be fun and, and, um, a little bit invigorating because it's it's a game, it's a competition. You know, how many can I fit in a jar, and which ones am I going to move where? So um, it, it can be, or should I say, that the process should be about raw packing as much into that jar before you put the hot brine over it as possible. Now, on the flip side, there are certain recipes that you, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, that you are going to hot pack a pickled product. And actually, the recipes I'm going to give you today are following that method of filling the jar. And the reason we're doing so is we are infusing. Uh, basically, we are allowing the main ingredient to, um, its flavors to permeate throughout the brine so that you're lessening a little bit of that uh, vinegary potency in taste uh, with the actual uh, herb or vegetable uh, or fruit. So you are, you're trying to uh, soften the palate. Um, now when I talk about acid, it's tricky because some individuals think that because something has a spicy flavor or a super hot flavor, that it must be high in acid. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Actually, a habanero pepper has a lower acidic pH value than a strawberry. Isn't that something? So keep in mind when we're talking about acid and increasing the acid in the jar, it's not about flavor or taste. It's about pH value. 
So make sure you, you, you keep that straight. And of course, you know I'm available to you. If you have any questions after listening to any of my podcasts, you know that I'm an open resource to you. You're welcome to email me. I have a contact me forum on my website at www.canningdiva.com. And um, I don't leave you hanging. So if you're in the middle of canning or you've heard something and you have on my show and you, you have some additional questions, uh, by all means, reach out to me. I'm also very active on Facebook. And I love using Facebook as a forum because um, that platform reaches thousands of individuals. Um, what I love is that question that you asked very well could be burning on someone else's mind. So by all means, Ask it because I will answer and that answer now gets circulated around everybody that not only follows me, but people that follow my followers. So definitely know I'm a resource to you even after the, the shows are, are over. So let's get started here with uh, breaking down these, these recipes and giving you some fun uses that you can do right in your home kitchen. Pickled garlic cloves. Now this recipe... Uh, is a little bit of my own personal spin-off from a recipe that Ball created, or at least one of their writers created. I don't even know uh, nowadays who creates what for who because we are having such fun uh, emerging into this foodie um, era, if you will, that there's recipes flying all over the place. And one thing I must say is if you are going to be home canning, secure a recipe from a reputable source. Now, Places such as Ball and Kerr and myself, we we have pH testers out there, so we know when we are manipulating or, as I call it, off-roading and creating something fun and yummy based on how we either eat or our family eats, uh, we know that we're doing things right because we're testing these items before putting them out there. So keep that in mind when you're surfing the internet and always look for a reliable source. Now, pickled garlic cloves can be used in a variety of different ways. I don't know about you, but I love cooking with garlic. Um, most of my recipes from scratch revolve around the three basic ingredients, which is onions, garlic, and olive oil. So um, garlic for me is just a part of the way I cook. So if it works uh, for you in your home like it does for me, um, as a meal starter and incorporating it into a variety of different things. You're going to love these pickled garlic cloves. You can use them to start sauces with, soups as well. Um, this garlic clove is phenomenal, even whole, tossed with your pasta. So if you don't mind plunking a whole garlic clove in your mouth and you love those flavors, this, the flavor in this recipe is just phenomenal, and I really think that you will enjoy using it whole, whether it's sauces or angel hair pasta, or if you happen to make a, a shrimp scampi, uh, throwing a couple of these or a handful of these garlic cloves in there is phenomenal. Um, you can also mash these garlic cloves and spread the, the, the mashed mixture over a baguette or use it as a sandwich spread or a condiment. Very, very yummy there. And for those of you who enjoy either a, an alcoholic or even a non-alcoholic uh, Bloody Mary, these are phenomenal. They will just explode the flavors within that Bloody Mary. You're going to love it. The other thing that I love about this recipe is the juices. Uh, the brine that we create, we're going to use uh, uh, some Pinot Grigio. 
and uh, we're going to use obviously some vinegar, some salt, and some sugar. And the brine that permeates and blends over time with the dried California chili is oh phenomenal. It makes the best vinaigrette for salad dressings that I've had in a long time. So again, definitely a multi-use item here. The recipe I'm going to share with you yields about five to six half pint jars. Okay, so let's break down the ingredients. You're going to start with two and a half cups of white vinegar, one cup of twisted Pinot Grigio wine. Now, if twisted isn't your brand and you just have a particular brand of Pinot Grigio that you enjoy, definitely, definitely use the Pinot Grigio. I've tried the other wines. I've tried Chardonnay. I've even tried a Moscato to see what the sweeter would do. And I'm sorry, they just don't, they just don't hit the mark. Uh, your Chardonnays are going to have sometimes more of a buttery vanilla flavor to them, and it just did not mesh well with the oregano and the dried chili. So stick with the Pinot Grigio. One tablespoon of pickling canning salt, one tablespoon of raw sugar, one and a half tablespoons of dried oregano, 12 to 15 large garlic heads, and you're going to separate those, open up the cloves and peel them. And you're going to want to have five dried California chilies on hand. Now, a dried California chili is essentially an Anaheim pepper that was left to uh, turn red on the vine, and then it was dehydrated. So it was dried, and all the seeds are intact. The stem is still there. These are phenomenal, uh, whether you use them dried, inference this is how we're going to do it in this recipe, or what I do often is I rehydrate these California chilies and I puree them and use them with my spaghetti sauces and chili and uh, sometimes even my salsa. So a lot of fun things you can do with dried chilies. Okay, so let's break down the instructions here. Now, as usual, you're going to prepare all of your jars ahead of time. You're going to have them cleaned and setting aside in either a warm uh, water in the sink or, for instance, I, I just put them in the dishwasher, run them through a cycle and leave them in there hot until I'm ready. You also want to make sure your lids and rings have been boiled and are setting aside in that hot water. In a large stainless steel stock pot, you're going to combine the vinegar, the wine, sugar, oregano, and salt. And you're going to want to stir this well as you bring it to a boil. The goal here is to dissolve that sugar and that salt. And you're just going to bring this to a quick boil and then turn that heat down slightly so that you boil it gently for one minute. And during this one minute of time, what we're doing is we're taking these ingredients uh, that are dry and granulated and we are infusing them into that wine and that vinegar. Okay. Set a timer because you don't want to boil it longer than one minute, and here's why. We aren't using a traditional brine ratio with water. We are using wine to replace the water. Now, this has increased the acidic value substantially because wine has a high acid content. However, um, we don't want to overboil vinegar and wine because now we're just we're we're gonna uh, deduce that down so much so that we're now playing with that pH value and we don't want to mess with that. So set your timer, boil it for one minute, and now you're gonna add your whole garlic cloves. 
It's going to take about 30 seconds to bring it back to a boil. So go ahead and bring that back to a boil and you're going to want to cook that through for about one minute. And this time around, we are letting the flavors of that garlic blend into that brine just a little bit and heating them through just ever so slightly. Garlic, if heated too long, too hot, it will be get, it will get uh, mushy. And so the goal here is to keep these cloves intact, but yet use the processing period of time to fully cook that garlic all the way through, okay? Now, once that is all set, what you're gonna do is set that aside, turn it off, set it aside, and you are gonna start your jar prep. Um, your jars, get them nice and uh, either hot or temperate, set them aside and place one chili pepper into that hot jar and you want to pay mind of that half an inch of headspace. So here's what I tell people. Cut off the stem, and you can do one of two things. You can leave the seeds that are in that pepper. I leave them, I think they're gorgeous. That chili pepper um, is, is dried that way for a reason, and it's not going to add any um, excess like heat. It's not gonna be hot to the, to the palate. So um, you can cut it in half. You just want to remove the stem, cut it in half if you're using those jelly jars because those chilies are long. Or um, you can leave it whole and let it bend throughout the bottom of the jar and have all of your garlic rest on top of it. What I like to do is I like to take my air bubble remover and press that chili up against the side of the glass. So when I'm filling my jar, a nice piece of that red stays visible. Because again, this is art, and we want it to look pretty as well as taste good, okay? So um, get creative with how you place those chilies. Just be careful that you're not exceeding that half an inch of headspace. Place the garlic, using your funnel, into the jar. And again, being mindful of that half an inch of headspace. You can use your air bubble remover tool to tamp that garlic down, and then add some brine on top of it. You want to cover the garlic cloves with the brine. And of course, as you're removing those air bubbles, adjust the headspace if necessary. Using a warm washcloth dipped in vinegar, wipe each rim and screw brands. And I tell individuals, get inside about an eighth of an inch alongside that rim because this oregano can get tricky. Uh, the oregano is going to be floating all over the place, and if it sneaks up there and gets on that jar rim, it could be a large piece of oregano that prevents your lid from sealing, and I'd hate to see that happen. Place the jars in a water bather and cover the jars with water. The goal here with water bathing is to use the 212 degree water boiling temperature to process those jars and kill off harmful bacteria. So you have to cover the jars with water. Process the jars for 10 minutes. And remember, your processing time doesn't begin until water is at a full rolling boil. All right, one thing I wanna point out with this recipe is, I don't wanna say it's necessarily a mistake that I made, but something that I learned along the way when I decided to make a quadruple batch of pickled garlic cloves. Um, I spent roughly three hours peeling all of that garlic and it almost prevented me from wanting to do this again. I mean, if this recipe wasn't so delicious, I definitely um, would have thought twice about making it because 
Peeling garlic is a lot of work and I was pulling out all the stops and trying all the tricks. I blanched the garlic and that did help some, but there's still a lot of, you know, dexterity work. I then used the method, there was a, a guy on YouTube who, um, who did this really fun um, uh, exercise where he put the cloves inside that plastic container and shook it. Well, there's still a lot of dexterity involved with that because not every piece of that peel comes off. So there's still a lot of work involved. And because we know we're putting this into a jar, we have to make sure we're doing our due diligence. So I was very, very happy when I stumbled across Christopher Ranch uh, whole garlic cloves pre-peeled. Oh my goodness, I, I about did a happy dance. I found these at um, Costco. And what I loved even more was that this ranch is over in California. They only use non-GMO heirloom garlic cloves. And that just, just I mean, right there made me buy two bags. I wasn't even planning on pickling more garlic cloves, but because I, I, what I saw and read, I just, I was so excited, I scooped them right up and decided to do another, another couple batches. Now, one of his bags is uh, three pounds. Six pounds was what that quadruple batch totaled. So, in just a matter of seconds, opening the bag and dumping it in, I saved myself three hours. So I definitely recommend if you can get your hands on their uh, pre-peeled garlic cloves, it's, it's definitely worth it and you can know that it's coming from a trusted source. All right, that is one recipe. And the other I wanna leave you with, it's pretty quick and very similar to the first, but we're gonna change up the ingredients just a little bit. Now pickled ramps can be used in soups and other foods and meals, wherever you're going to utilize on onions and garlic. So you're just going to um, obviously pickle these in a manner that allows you to incorporate them into the same things that you're doing uh, on a on a day-to-day -day basis in the kitchen. From a uh, cocktail standpoint, these make delicious additions to vodka martinis. So you'll often see two little bulbs, two little what you think are little onion bulbs in the martini. Um, that is a more than likely a pickled ramp. So there are some fun things that you can do both in the kitchen and, um, of course, I guess you could say at the bar. So let's get started and talk a little bit about the ingredients and then the process. I can breeze through because the process remains the same. What you're going to start with is three and three quarters cup of white vinegar, three cups of water, three tablespoons of pickling or canning salt, six tablespoons of raw honey, three pounds of ramps, a half, excuse me, a quarter teaspoon of mustard seeds, a quarter teaspoon of whole coriander seeds, black whole peppercorns, and one bay leaf. Okay, so in a large stainless steel stock pot, you're gonna combine the vinegar, water, salt, and honey. You're going to stir that well and you're going to bring that to, to a boil because this, in this case you're going to dissolve the salt and the honey. Now ramps are wild so you're going to want to thoroughly wash and cut your ramps. You want to cut the bulb just above the white allowing some of the burgundy stem to remain. 
And it's okay to keep those green leaves. Set them aside. They are excellent in soups and sauces. And again, anywhere a recipe calls for garlic or chives or scallions, uh, because that is exactly the flavor that they embody. Um, I have used them in replace of leeks in soups when I have the, the green leaves on hand. Okay, place the seasonings that I mentioned inside each jar. You're going to prep your jar first. You're going to grab those mustard seed, coriander, peppercorns, and you're going to place those in the jars. You're going to raw pack the ramps very tightly. Now, this goes back to what I was saying about paint, playing Tetris in the jar with those Brussels sprouts. Uh, because they're round, it's going to be fun and a little tricky, but you can do it. Raw pack those tightly and leave a generous half-inch headspace. And what that means is about three-quarters of an inch. It's not a full inch, but it's a little bit more than that half-inch. Okay, now, once your jars are ready, you're going to ladle that hot brine into each jar and being, being uh, sure to maintain that generous half-inch headspace. Remove any air bubbles using your air bubble remover tool and adjust the headspace as necessary. Now, here's one thing that I want to mention with any pickling recipe, whether it's the cloves, these ramps, or if it's just pickles. If you run out of pickling liquid, what you want to do is either duplicate the brine that's in the existing recipe or use half the parts listed in that recipe being sure to keep the ratios. You never, ever, ever want to fill a remaining jar with just water because you've ran out of brine. By adding excess water, you would be de decreasing the acidic value in that jar and all of your food would spoil. So please remember that tip for pickling. No matter what you're pickling, always stick to those ratios. And if you have to just do now half of what they're asking for, you still go through that brine ratio. So it'd be half the vinegar, half the water, half the salt, okay? Now, using that warm washcloth dipped in vinegar, obviously you're going to get those rim bands going. You're going to place those sterilized lids and rings on there. And in this case, again, you're going to process your jars for 10 minutes. Now, these wild leeks, you're also going to, you're going to can those in half pints, just as you did the cloves. And this recipe yields roughly six half pints. So I hope I've given you two fun recipes to try. Pickling is a lot of fun, and again, it is definitely something you, if you are a beginner, should start with. Uh, it's really um, you know, hard to mess up. The processing times are simple, and the ingredients are usually very uh, simplistic. They're not overly complicated, and there's typically not a lot of prepping that takes place, especially if you have the uh, pre-peeled garlic. <laughs> but uh, definitely give this a shot. The varieties of things that you can pickle are amazing. I have a lot of fun, delicious recipes on my website. And of course, I'm always posting on Facebook. So definitely follow me in one of those avenues, if not all, and learn to start creating some really fun pickled products when our food starts coming into season. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I just want to send a big hug out to each and every one of you. I appreciate all of you who have downloaded my episodes of Canning with the Diva and who have 
scheduled alerts to make sure that you are alerted the moment I uh, publish another podcast. So I, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode where we talked about the art and craft of pickling, um, the two recipes we covered, which were pickled garlic cloves and of course uh, pickled ramps. And then I really hope that I've given you some tips and ideas uh, to make it easier when you're packing jars, um, the differences between raw packing and hot packing, a variety, the, the differences of the pickling recipes. Sometimes you want a raw pack, other times you do want a hot pack. It just, again, depends. And then, of course, I hope that I have given you the math, science, and reasoning behind the importance of a proper brine ratio and uh, why we don't ever want to dilute that and why we want to keep our acid at least 5% or higher to make sure that everything we're pickling uh, stays very well preserved on our pantry shelf until we're ready to pop open that lid. Until next time, everyone, happy canning. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Canning with the Diva. For tips, recipes, and techniques, please visit us online at canningdiva.com.